Hello everybody again and welcome to this week's edition of the Raincoat Report. I'm Boss here with Jeremy once again. Hello. We're bringing you our fourth episode of the Raincoat Report. Well, after three completed episodes, we feel like we're getting it down to a science, so it's time to dive in and be the uh, awesome professionals that we are. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking about an act of confession from Mm -hmm. 1971, directed by Anthony Spinelli. Um, This is a very controversial film, Mm -hmm. solidly rooted in the nunsploitation genre. Yeah. So we'll have a lot to say about that. Yeah, I've got uh, 12 years of Catholic school un- un- uh, under my belt that we can uh, draw from. Excellent. I'll let you know how it holds up to uh, real life <laughs> and what's just, you know, an anti-papist stereotype. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. All right, so let's start by talking a little bit about nunsploitation. Yeah. Um, nunsploitation itself is basically about placing nuns in sinful situations yeah uh kind of derivative of the women in prison genre a little bit sure yeah uh stuck in that convent right and you never know what's going to happen no you got horny priests and like underground layers and uh maybe even the devil himself I did, uh, I did a little bit of research, and I listened to an episode of Dr. Rebecca McKendry's Nightmare University, where she talked a lot about nunsploitation. Um, ultimately, I'm not going to steal a bunch of information from that, but to give the very uh, brief history here, we have little bits of nunsploitation going back to the early days of film, things uh, like... Haxon in 1922, mm-hmm. while nunsploitation itself isn't necessarily the genre of that film, we see things like nuns being lured away by the devil. Yeah. Um, but as we get into the years of the Hayes Code, uh, which limited what could be shown on screens in the United States, we see a lot of that stuff kind of fade away. Uh, but When we get into the 60s, we start to see the loosening of that Hayes Code, and that's along the same timeline that we start seeing uh, hardcore sex films. and Well, firstly, those softcore uh, sexploitation-type films, and then later on, as things get looser and looser, the hardcore films. Yeah. When we really start to see the beginnings of nunsploitation, we see it in Italy. Yeah. Um, Seems to be the earliest that we see that. Things based off the story of the Nun of Monza, uh-huh. which uh, was back in the 17th century. She reportedly had, uh, she was reported to have started a family with two kids while practicing as a, as a nun. Um, it's one of those things that by the church trying to cover it up, they kind of amplified the yeah. controversy just in doing that. Yeah. Um, so that is... Uh, something that was leveraged uh, several times in the 60s in Italy to uh, be the basis for uh, some of these exploitation films. Do you want to do um, a nunsploitation sitcom with me called My Two Nuns that kind of goes off of this, <laughs> where they're these children just being raised by nuns in the convent, and they got to keep them hidden, and it, it's very silly. I like it. Yeah, I think it, it kind of writes itself, you know? Uh, we got to find the right stars for it. Yeah, um... Is the flying nun still alive? I'm not sure. 
Um, was Mary Poppins alive? Was she ever a nun? Was Mary I don't Poppins know the real? answer to either of those questions. I don't know the answer to that question either. I'll just um, I'll just go back to one of the schools and just see if there's any nuns that want to break into the film industry. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Italy got started in the '60s, and as we moved into the '70s, we start seeing more artistic stuff like uh, Pasolini's uh, *The Decameron*. Mm-hmm. But we also see stuff developing in other countries around the world in the 70s. We see we see in Mexico, Satanico Pandemonium and yeah. Alucardia. Yeah, you got uh, Jess Franco's movies. You got uh, yeah. the Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun and yep. uh, the Demons. Yep. Yeah. Uh, those coming out of France, yeah. Spain, Germany. Yeah. A little bit of a Japanese scene, too, even. Yep, We yeah. uh, especially with the Pinky Violence films. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like School of the Holy Beast and Cloistered Nun Ruinous Confession. Uh, and then in the UK, we see The Devils by Ken Russell, mm-hmm. which was hugely controversial and had to be cut significantly to get released by the BBFC. At this point, it's thought that a lot of footage from it is completely lost uh, through the cutting process, although there have been, we'll say, less cut versions put out since its original release. but. Yeah. Uh, at this point, some of the footage is thought to be lost completely. Yeah. We see a lot less of it in the U.S., which uh, is one of the reasons that this is uh, a particularly interesting film to me, An Act of Confession. Yeah, because you look at that list, there's really not that many American films. It looks like a lot of the U.S. films kind of got in it, uh, like the late, like early 2010s, more of like kind of like pastiche films instead of like... right. Like exploitation cycle films. Right, right. More contemporary <laughs> stuff than uh, stuff that... Um, kind of created to sate that need for more nuns fucking... Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the audience has craved it. <laughs> the audience has demanded and we delivered. Yeah. You want a Danone, you get a Danone. That's what <laughs> Jess Franco said. <laughs> I don't think he was Italian. Was he Spanish? He's he Spanish. was Spanish. I'm not going to do a Spanish accent. Very well. That is probably a good decision. We'll definitely do a lot of Jess Franco as we go along because mm-hmm. I... He's great. He's great. There's plenty to say about him, and I own a thousand pages worth of books on him, oh, so yeah. we, uh, we've we got a lot to dig into with uh, Franco. We're going to dissect him. But in the meantime, let's dissect Anthony Spinelli a little bit. All right. Um, so Anthony Spinelli was born in February of 1927, February 21st. Um, he had a career as a mainstream actor under the name Sam Weston. Uh, and I noted that, uh, as we talked about on our Dixie Ray Hollywood star episode, he was credited as Sam Weston, mm-hmm. uh, as the director on the R rated cut. It's called murder baby. Yeah. He had produced a couple of films, acted a little bit, did some TV, but ultimately he had trouble getting work and became an encyclopedia salesman. Uh, Meanwhile, his brother uh, was character actor Jack Weston, who had 107 acting credits to his name and was more successful on the acting front. He was in a lot of TV and a lot of like really low-budget stuff, but a few uh, things towards the end of his career that he was in that were notable include Dirty Dancing. He was in Short Circuit 2. 
And he was also in the uh, bike film Rad in the 80s, oh. uh, which Vinegar Syndrome recently released on 4K disc. Cool. I watched this week, actually, so it was good timing. Is, uh, is there someone famous on that one? Rad? Yeah. Um, uh, Lori Laughlin's in it. That might be it. I feel it's, like there were a bunch of those kind of movies that kind of came out in the late 80s, and they all just kind of blend together in my right. mind. It's, uh, I watched it. It's fun. It's I'm... not great, but it's fun. It's, it's very cheesy and like over the top eighties. There's this, there's this scene where they're, mm-hmm. they're having a, uh, we're getting totally off topic, yeah. but I'm going to keep going. Right. There's a scene where there's a town dance going on and the, uh, there's, there's a bunch of, uh, BMX, BMX bikers in town to ride the hell track. Um, in this small town was picked to host the hell track so there's a uh, dance happening i guess at a community center there and uh laurie laughlin's character as well as the main character which i don't remember either character name at this point but it doesn't matter they end up uh dancing on bikes more or less and there's a bunch of like slow-mo shots of them like uh uh, leaning back on their bikes and posing in different ways as they spin around their wheels and stuff while this over-the-top 80s music plays. It's unbelievable, that that particular sequence. Um, that's high art. It's high art. But anyhow, that's not super important to yeah, Anthony Spinelli. Yeah, it's not your uh, main. But his brother was in that movie. Okay, well. You know. uh, he was also the father of... Uh, Mitch Spinelli, who would go on to direct uh, 156 porn uh, productions per IMDb, uh, ending sometime in 2004. So family business, really, at this point. Um, In an issue of the AVN newsletter from 1983, he gave an interview, and it was mostly a fluff piece, him talking about his upcoming work. Um, but he noted that after, you know, as he was the encyclopedia salesman, after he had trouble getting work in uh, film and TV, he saw an X-rated film playing in a nice theater, and he thought he could make something like that. So he found funding from a real estate investor, or a group of real estate investors, and made his first film, which was Diary of a Nymph in 1971. So this is one of his first films, in okay. Act of Confession, because that's that same year. Uh, he noted that he wrote a 13-page script over the course of 14 hours and uh, knocked that out. In that AVN interview, he's asked about his emphasis on characters and plot. Um, he noted that he found films that just had two or four people having sex boring so because there's only so many ways to do it, and there were a lot of those films coming out, and they were like an hour, 65 minutes or so. Right. He said that he needed story, and he found that that made the films more sensual overall by being able to see what motivates the sex. That's a good philosophy to have. I like that. I'll take that and I'll put it in my cap. Um, some of his key works include Sex World, Talk oh. Dirty to Me, Nothing to Hide, and uh, the subject of our first episode here, Dixie Ray, Hollywood Star. Oh. So in four episodes, we've gotten to Spinelli twice. Yeah, so he's prolific. He's, he's, he's got a lot under his belt. Uh, when he was asked if he could make a PG or R-rated film, he said he could do it and he could do a great job. 
he was asked when he would do it, and he said, I'm going to, I'm going to. So yeah, that's kind of his background, and we see a little bit of that lead up to uh, an act of confession. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to go ahead and dive into the film itself, an act of confession from 19, 1972. So this is a year after okay. uh, Diary of a Nymph, his first film. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a quick break here, and then we're going to hop in and go through an act of confession. The Christian ethic warped and twisted into an instrument of power and corruption, enough to raise massive armies and invade the peaceful regions of the eastern Mediterranean to spill the blood of the infidels under the cross of Jesus, enough to conduct mass trials of thousands of heretics who did not hold with current beliefs, enough to strike terror into the hearts of a cowed population, keeping them firmly beneath the thumb of tyranny preached as Christianity. Once I did that, that's all I needed. Excellent. (laughs) Okay, so we're here to take you through step-by-step an act of confession from 1972 directed by Anthony Spinelli. Um, I I didn't really take notes about any of the characters' names or uh, any of the casting, actually. I don't really think they... I'm not sure if they have names. They have names in the credits... But they never say any of their names. I wrote some of it down. Um, Kim Dury is our star. This was apparently her only film, so there wasn't a whole lot about her out there for me to uh, find. Um, Cindy Summers, I believe, was a couple films later on. I think she had a longer career. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about her at some point. She'll be in the starlet rotation. Yes. Um but uh no i don't really know who a whole lot of the people are there weren't like a lot of big names that stuck out to me or anyone familiar and um yeah when we look through a lot of these films yeah there's a really tight-knit group of people Mm -hmm. who works on in a lot of these films um Typically, especially when we're looking at the 70s, we have kind of a group of people who work on the East Coast and a group of people who work on the West Coast. As we get into the 80s, more people from the East Coast start flying to the West Coast because a lot of the production seemed to have picked up there. Mirrors the history of uh, hip hop. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sort of. (laughs) Um, So anyhow, uh, but yeah, this one was odd in the sense that I didn't really recognize any of the people, so... Uh, but that's that's bound to happen, especially when we're looking yeah. at some of these low-budget ones. Right. An act of confession opens with a, uh, a few disclaimer title cards. I uh, took notes here of those particular disclaimers. Oh, yeah, those disclaimers are... Um, they're good. Uh, I think there... It feels like there's like a couple disclaimers before we get to the movie. Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, the cards here say, Throughout the ages, the Holy Church has been threatened, maligned, and satirized. Yet, for 2,000 years it has prevailed. Our efforts here have not been to condemn or castigate, but only to portray the very human side of those in conflict regarding their commitment to a life of reverence. The incidents you will witness are fictitious, to be sure, yet find historical precedents in the works of Voltaire, Dante, Boccaccio, and others. Oh. 
It's uh, quite a claim. Let's see if it lives up to it. Uh, I made a note here that it's it's uh, the credits say that it was written and directed by Sybil Kidd. Yeah, there's Anthony Spinelli under one of his many names. Uh, we open on a medieval illustration. It uh, looks like maybe a castle or something. Mm-hmm. We get a, a narrator telling us, a, kind of uh, setting the stage for us, with mm-hmm. the 15th century. We see kind of a, a slideshow of period paintings from... Uh, the period, right? Just period paintings of the period. Yeah, just depicting general medieval misery, like plague and religious wars, and uh, you know all the stuff we thankfully have left in the past. <laughs> <laughs> um, the narrator goes on: the Christian ethic warped and twisted into an instrument of power and corruption. Um, He says, despite this, there were small pockets of intellectualism. For the young girl who did not look forward eagerly to 40 years of slavery as the wife of some ignorant peasant, there was the nunnery. I note that there are Gregorian chants in the background. Yeah. If you like Gregorian chants, you're in for a treat. If you don't, uh, hit mute. So the narrator goes on with a lot of uh, gobbledygook here, I would call it. A lot of uh, moralizing. Uh, Said all that the pretty maid was required to do was to offer her life to the church as a bride of Christ. A simple matter for some, more difficult for others. And there were those, of course, for whom it was impossible. Our story concerns the trials of one such girl who strove mightily to overcome her natural urges and who was thwarted at every turn by some impish inner self, an alter ego, as it were, who lusted for every pleasure, craved every delight, and who made life generally miserable for the tender child, who conjugally wished only for the cross and a common garden hoe. Uh, that was a weird way to end it, but then we see that she is, that we see our young nun, our protagonist, working mm-hmm. in the grass. She seems to be grabbing clumps and throwing them behind her. Yeah. I'm assuming that's why she wishes she had a hoe. Yeah, it would be much easier with the hoe. Um, that's Kim Dury, that's Sister Beatrice. Sister Beatrice. That's her name. So she starts uh, doing narration here where she speaks about a dream she started having when she was young. She says, The dreams were about myself and all the other little girls and boys in my school. I was always naked, and the others would play with my body, rubbing me and putting things into me. And I liked it, and that's why I felt guilty. Liking it, I mean. Later on, I decided to devote my life to the church and become a nun. And since I never really did anything wrong, they welcomed me. I thought it would be all over then, but it started again and worse than ever before. The very first day at the convent, I met another young novice who occupied the cell next to mine. And that night, when I was just about asleep, the dream began. It seemed I was suddenly standing in the open door of her room, staring at her as she said her evening prayers, just staring, staring. 
staring. <laughs> so at that point, we see a nun in a dark room praying to a crucifix. Our nun, Sister Beatrice, asks, may I pray with you? Yes, this is um, Cindy Summers playing Sister Jennifer. Okay. I noted here the walls of the room seem to be covered in black sheets. Yes. <laughs> uh, the nuns are staring forward, praying. Sister Beatrice turns to the right and scans Sister... Oh, my God. Who's this? Sister, uh, Sister Jennifer. Sister Jennifer. She turns to the right and scans Sister Jennifer up and down. Yeah. She puts her arm around Sister Jennifer and moves in for a kiss on the cheek. Sister Jennifer turns, and Sister Beatrice kisses her on the lips. Um, Sister Jennifer's staring forward blankly, it seems, perhaps in shock here. Sister Beatrice pulls back and smiles. Then she stands up, and she takes uh, Sister Jennifer's hands and walks her over to the bed where they lay down and start kissing. At this point, they're still in full habit. In full habit. Yeah. Lots of open mouth tongue kissing and Gregorian chanting. Uh, we don't see them undress, but we cut to them in bed. Uh, this time, they're only wearing their head coverings. That's, head dress. Uh, I believe the head covering is just called the habit. Okay. Uh, I think it's all just part of it. It has individual names, I'm sure, but okay. we don't really have to get into uh theological matters okay so they've only got the actual head part the the habit itself yeah. on and uh other than that after this cut they're completely nude so they're kissing and licking chest and nipples um this is sister beatrice doing this to uh sister jennifer mm -hmm. she's working her way down her body uh, sh her head's working above her crotch area while the other nun's leg is up so you can't see anything she works her way back up Sister Jennifer's body, and they make out more. Uh, there's a bit of kissing on the crotch and on the leg a bit. More kissing, and the shot goes blurry before fading into something else. Here we see the nuns praying in front of the crucifix again, this time only wearing the habit. Mm -hmm. And we cut to a blurry shot of our nun working in the field again, going into focus. She's sprinkling seeds... And then she says, it happened again the next day. So we've worked our way through this particular section of the film. Um, it's worth noting that an act of confession has two cuts at least, if not several. Uh -huh. um, there is this version that was released by Vinegar Syndrome on a Picarama set. Um, is the softcore version that's been cut of the hardcore sex. Right. Uh, there is also a hardcore version, um, but it's not in wide release in any way. Um, I did some, we'll say, uh, gray market research on the internet and was able to find an absolutely horrible transfer of a, a hardcore cut of it yeah. that I believe is still not completely uncut. No, I... I cut to some of the stuff that I was looking to see, and it kind of seemed like there was less of it even than the one we had. Yeah, there, there's definitely some hardcore sex in it, though. Yeah, you can, um, um, like in the upcoming scene, you can definitely see you're like jerking off the priest at one point that you can't right. see in the other one. But uh, 
it was kind of like watching like the scrambled spice channel a bit yeah it was really terrible quality audio from a completely different movie yeah so this first scene uh there was real cunnilingus in the hardcore version okay uh, I would not recommend tracking down that hardcore version, though, because the it is just it is completely unwatchable, yeah. and I mean that in the most pure sense. Yeah, let the professionals handle it if they get around to it. Yeah, even us professionals, we just kind of skipped through it because it was completely unwatchable as it is. After we get done with that nun scene, and she talks about how it happened again the next day, uh, meaning her having these lurid dreams. Mm-hmm. So after communion, she went to begin her chores, and then she flashed back to the chapel and the priest and the communion that she had just partaken in. Uh, but it, only this time, she says, yes. it was different. It is very different. Um, Were any of your communions like this? Uh, no, not, none that I can that. remember. Um, there weren't fancy gilded plates to begin with. Uh, second of all, no one whipped their dick out. That's good. Uh, third of all, I guess those are the main differences. Um, those are important differences. They're important distinctions. I can't say that everyone escaped unscathed, but, um, I did. Well, that's good. Yes. So we see two nuns kneeling and praying in full habit. I guess this is Beatrice and Jennifer again. Yeah, it's Beatrice and Jennifer um, with Keith Erickson as Father Bouvier. And I believe Franklin Anthony is Brother Joseph. Okay. Yeah, so we see them uh, kneeling and praying, fully dressed in their habit. And uh, we see Father Bouvier... And brother, and brother Joseph, brother Joseph, yeah. uh, robed up in there. The priest turns uh, to give the communion. He puts his hands up with two fingers up, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of odd the way he did it. Brother Joseph is holding a tray between the priest's waist and the nun. I noted that it looked like cardboard wrapped with aluminum foil. Yeah. Is uh, floppy and unconvincing, but you know, low budget 1972. When you consider all the other stuff that they got right, this is a, a minor issue. Brother Joseph lowers that tray, and at that point, the priest pulls out his dong and lays it on the tray. Yeah, it's a dick communion. Uh, so Sister Beatrice is looking forward and then and up into the priest's eyes, and then she. We see a slow zoom down toward the dong. A close-up of the priest's face, presumably getting his dong worked, but we don't see it. Uh, he seems to be reacting with pleasure. We then cut to Brother Joseph dabbing the nun's face with a napkin. I noted we missed a lot here. Yeah, it skips ahead a little bit. Father Bouvier. Yes. Uh, then holds the tray in front of Brother Joseph who pulls out his dong in front of the other nun, Sister mm-hmm. Jennifer. Yes. We cut to a shot of uh, Sister Beatrice. Beatrice outside praying, and then we go back to the nuns kneeling in front of the priest uh, who was turned around working at the altar. 
Father Bouvier keeps holding his two fingers up on each hand. Uh, we see them turn around to offer communion again, which seems to be a reuse of the shot from earlier. Yeah, I wondered about that because it does seem to be kind of just the same scene repeated. Uh, we get the shot of the nun praying outside again, then the shot of Sister Beatrice kissing the other nun again. So we've just kind of cut to a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. But it is supposed to be a dream for what it's worth, so at so, least we have that excuse. Yeah, it's all, uh, you know, it's got the logic of a dream. Hazy and vague. So we cut to uh, Sister Beatrice praying and then a shot of Beatrice and Jennifer naked and making out again. Um, I noted this time it seems a little more crotch handsy than the last uh, version that we mm-hmm. saw. And then it cuts back to uh, Sister Beatrice outside. And then it cuts to uh, the priest in ecstasy and uh, the... Uh, brother joseph dabbing her face with a napkin again um (laughs) i noted are we repeating shots to pad time in a butchered film uh which i believe the answer is yes it seems like a hard yes now we can sort of see uh sister beatrice blowing the priest at the bottom of the frame in the new shot just barely uh we also get a close-up shot of brother joseph's o face yeah it's a holy o face Uh, We cut to a shot of the tray with uh, Brother Joseph's load on it. (laughs) And with a little bit on uh, Sister Jennifer's face. Mm -hmm. They pull away the tray and Brother Joseph is doing Nixon fingers, I noted. Yeah. Uh, The two fingers up in the air. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The nuns continue kneeling while the, the priest turns back towards the crucifix to pray. So we cut back to Sister Beatrice working in the field again. Yeah. A lot of toil at this convent. She looks up at the sky from the ground, and then we cut to her standing. She said that she thought if she made confession of the dreams, maybe they would go away. Said that the dreams made her feel good, but left her with guilt. So she was going to confess to the priest. We cut to the priest, uh, Father... Bouvier, Bouvier holding the crucifix a crucifix necklace. It's called a rosary. You pray uh, upon yes, it. Yes, that's right. The rosary. Let me correct you. You're a heathen. I am a heathen. Let me berate you for the next fifteen minutes about the proper use of the crucifix. Each bead has some kind of significance. There's a big bead, and there's small beads, and then eventually you're at the you're at the Jesus. Um, you gotta say a bunch of Hail Marys. You gotta say some Lord's prayers. I will tell you right now, what he uses this for is not sanctioned by the Vatican. Fair enough. Yes. Uh, (laughs) We will get to that uh, in a moment. So, Sister Beatrice explains she can't stop having these daydreams, and Father Bouvier asks her to tell him about them. She says, they're erotic dreams, Father. He says, yes, yes, tell me about them. She says, in the last one, you were giving me communion, but it was different because your, your, your hard penis was in my mouth, and I licked and sucked on it, and you kept shoving it in and out of my mouth, and then a funny thing happened. You squirted something in me, and I swallowed some of it, and some came out of my mouth. (laughs) 
and the monk wiped it off. Father Bouvier seems to be uncomfortable and face palms at one point. She described her sex dream with the other nun, including Cunnilingus, that I noted we didn't see in this. Yeah, I was going to say, I made a note of that too. She describes like sex that we don't get to see. Right. Uh, Now, Father Bouvier seems to be making a satisfied face, and we pan down to see him masturbating with the rosary in his hand, bouncing as he strokes. Yes. He was uh, moved by uh, an act of divine intervention. We cut to a shot of candles, which blurs out, and then we get a shot of Sister Beatrice nude, uh, other than the habit on her head. Mm Mm-hmm. Laying on her back and holding her hands together in prayer with rosary beads in her hand. We zoom out to see figures, uh, some robed figures standing above her. This includes Father Bouvier and uh, two of the monks. Father Bouvier disrobes and mounts Sister Beatrice on the floor. She's still got her hands together praying, but she's smiling now. Uh, the monk is facing the other direction, reading and chanting. We don't hear, uh, I noted. Right now the soundtrack is just more Gregorian chanting. Yes. Presumably there's other monks off screen that are just doing most of the chanting all the time at all hours. <laughs> they don't. They never stop with the chanting. Nobody can sleep. No, it's infuriating. <laughs> Father Bouvier licks her nipple and then gets to humping, as I said. Um... Sister Beatrice keeps her hands in the prayer position. Uh, We cut back and forth from Father Bouvier and the monks and shots of candles. Um, I noted, uh, as we talked about in Altar of Lust, that Mm -hmm. softcore missionary is really just a lot of watching a man butt flex. Yes. You know, I guess it's fine, but... Not my preferred pornography. Yeah. um. I noted that we can almost see his penis in brief brief glimpses. (laughs) And then we see Father Bouvier's (laughs) O-Face. I noted that he looks like the guy who plays Artie Bucco on The Sopranos. (laughs) After Father uh, Bouvier finishes, he looks to be in deep thought, perhaps regret. So we get a spinning shot followed by returning to the priest in his confessional. Our nun is trying to get his attention because he's zoned out, and we've been watching a nasty daydream of his. Yeah, there's dreams within dreams in this film. It's like Inception. This is... Inception. This is basically the 1972 version of Inception. Yeah. Uh, So, Father Bouvier responds and we get to see his cummy hand around his dong i said oh yeah maybe that's this note that i wrote that i can't read anymore that makes sense yeah i was too distracted (laughs) uh he suggests a harsh penance would do her a world of good he tells her to recite the lord's prayer 742 times while confined to her cell after which he says you will be cleansed Go now and sin no more. So we go back to Sister Beatrice. Mm-hmm. Yes. You we got go it. back to Sister Beatrice uh, in the grass. Uh, because I because nobody said anybody's names, I just wrote 
our nun as Sister Beatrice, and our, then the other nun as Jennifer. Yeah. Well, you know, really don't. You gotta pay attention during those credits, or you're gonna be lost. Well, even then, it doesn't really. They don't signify reinfo- which sister. Yeah, is they which. don't reinforce any of it. I guess. It's 1972. We're still figuring it out. Yeah, the porn very crude. So we go back to Sister Beatrice in the grass. Uh, she said that she had hardly begun the prayer when it started again. She realized doing penance wasn't enough, and it's almost like she wanted to be punished. So then we see her staring blankly near a candle. Mm-hmm. Then a shot of her nude other than her habit. Uh, another nun, dressed the same, walks into the frame and kneels before Father Bouvier, who's sitting. There are two monks standing on either side of the frame. Uh, Father Bouvier lifts his robe to reveal his cock, while the monks disrobe completely uh, into full nudity. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, Sister Jennifer in front of the priest starts blowing him. Sister Beatrice bends over to blow one of the monks while another one is taking her from behind. Yes. Uh, and we should note they're really not very enthusiastic performers. No, not really. It goes very slowly. Um, right? And I'm not sure why unless like Spinelli's like, okay, at this point, just stop acting. <laughs> and just kind of do whatever you want for the next five minutes. If you're not feeling into it, make sure that you don't look like you're into it. Right, yeah. If you're not, yeah. Which is, I guess, you know, it wasn't a really film, but I thought he did like a really good job with uh, the actors he had in Dixie Ray Hollywood Star. I thought he got like much better performances out of all of those people. Well, to be fair, all of those people are probably better actors than what we're doing. That's They're true. given more more fleshed out material yeah. to work with there's That's, a bigger budget there's a lot going into there's a lot that. going on um, and this is also one of spinelli's first movies right. so he's not he's not at the uh height of his abilities just yet no no we're watching an artist in the making <laughs> we see an over-the-shoulder shot of sister jennifer blowing the priest at one point, her head is pulled too far back, and we can see that she isn't actually doing it. Uh, the monks continue to go to town on Sister Beatrice. Uh, we can't see any penetration, and based yeah. on the positioning, I don't think it's actually happening in this version. Have you noticed that there's no Gregorian chanting in this scene? Uh, I didn't make a note of that, the but that's important. Uh, it's more traditional. I think every all the monks were occupied in this scene, like oh, the two yeah. they had, so... There was no one left to chant, so they had to fill it in with something else. Yeah, they're they're busy doing their own filling in here. Well, as I said, the monks continue to go to town on Sister Beatrice. Uh, we can't see any penetration. They're kind of just doing a slow rocking back and forth. Based on her position in one of the monks' laps, uh, you can kind of tell that nothing's really happening here. Uh, we continue to also see... Father Bouvier getting blown in the background while we're watching this. The monk leans back in ecstasy as he's being blown, and we cut to Sister Beatrice uh, and her head bobbing in his lap, but we don't see much because of the headdress blocking mm-hmm. everything. Um, I noted that this scene seems to go on a bit long. Yes. 
Uh, we finally see uh, the blown men's O faces as they orgasm. Yeah. Um, I think when you're fucking at half speed, it's just going to take a lot longer to get anywhere. That's fair. That makes sense. Uh, we then see the other monk, the monk that was uh, doing Sister Beatrice from behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, he mounts her missionary and is banging her slowly. We cut to the other monk and the priest. I noted that we can see some peely skin on the back of the monk as he's going at Sister Beatrice missionary. Don't make notes like that. There's no need for that. Uh, we can also see some dong flopping and uh, not penetrating. Those are good notes. More of those. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind for future episodes. Thank you. Cut back to multiple shots of the of the nun and the priest, and then a shot of the priest, Father Bouvier, collapsed, bent over, with his dong out, with uh, Sister Jennifer hunched over at his feet. While Sister Beatrice and the two monks are laying naked on the floor. We then cut to Sister Beatrice laying in hay in her cell with her hands on her vagina, presumably as she's fantasizing this. Uh, And then a pan up to a crucifix on the wall. We cut back to Sister Beatrice in the grass, standing and praying. A few days later, she says, she felt sick while working in the kitchen. She then retired to her room where she said she had her worst dream yet. We cut to her naked, leaned back on a cross. There are two monks standing next to her on either side. And they tie her arms out to the sides of the cross. We pan out and see the monks are standing there. And then one monk disrobes, and then he mounts Sister Beatrice on the cross. Oh, yeah. Uh, The other monk is standing and watching. Uh, Our mounting monk, as I noted him here, keeps at it, rubbing Sister Beatrice's breasts. Uh, He dismounts, and then we see a shot of his legs (laughs) knee down as he... As he jizzes on the dirt floor. Yeah, there's a that's a biblical thing. You're not supposed to spill your seed on the dry ground. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was trying to look up the exact um, uh, well, uh, biblical account, um, but I'm not going to go that into it. Uh, but yeah, we see just this the, guy's legs. But uh, he spilled his semen on the ground. Um, and then the next statement in the Bible says that Onan did evil and that God slew him. So if you're going to, if you just got to do a cream pie, if you don't want to incur God's <laughs> wrath. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't spill your seed on the dirt floor. Yeah. It's, it is an abomination. So yeah, we didn't see, uh, it coming out, so to speak, but we see it splattering the dirt floor. We can make some guesses that he was doing the devil's work he was definitely doing the devil's work so yeah after we see that splatter the ground we get a slow <laughs> zoom in on the come on the ground yeah it's reinforcing the message of the holy bible all right so i had a uh we'll call it a theological question at this point uh-huh. um 
I noted that at the top of the cross, it has I-N-R-I. What is that? I've seen it before. Um, that is supposed to be like the Latin abbreviation, basically, for uh, Jesus Christ, King of the Jews. Okay. Which is what um, they had him, I guess, like technically punished as by like Pontius Pilate. Okay. When they were doing his whole trial. Gotcha. Yeah. So at this point, the other monk disrobes and mounts Sister Beatrice. He grips her shoulders for leverage, I noted. Mm -hmm. He's really pumping at her. Uh, the monk who finished uh, puts his, has put his robe back on off screen and is watching. Um, the monk who's going to town at this point grips her waist and rubs her breasts as he keeps going. Uh, this monk also dismounts, and we see him stroking, though we don't see a cum puddle this time. <laughs> uh, he re-robes. Then we get a close-up shot of her hand tied to the cross with candles in the background. I thought it was a nice-looking shot. Yeah. Then we see her untied with her hands praying with the monks on either side. Then we see her tied down again. Then we get a shot from above of her tied to the cross with two monks at her feet kneeling fully robed and then one last shot of her tied to the cross directly from the front uh i feel like this might be a thing where like he cut the scenes together and then he was like well i like these shots too so i'm just gonna throw these into yeah getting like a multi-angle shot but perhaps it was also to fill time in this softcore version where we've cut some stuff out theoretically it's tough to say only um, Anthony and his editors know. Uh, I do want to make a, a note here uh, regarding the hardcore stuff. Mm -hmm. In the uh, communion scene, we saw some real BJs going on versus yeah, the I implied BJs. I saw some of that. Uh, in the scene where the priest is fantasizing about uh, having sex with Sister Beatrice, we see actual penetration there, and he comes on her stomach. Mm-hmm. We also see uh, BJ and fucking from the uh, monks in that uh, prior scene. And on this in this uh, crucifix scene, mm -hmm. we see actual penetration as well. So really, um, if we go back to episode one, when we talked about Dixie Ray, Hollywood star, uh, there were a ton of differences between the hardcore and softcore versions. Uh, in this version, uh, there's really not. It's really just different things being cut out of it and probably some reorganization of mm. the various soft uh, scenes in right. the film to kind of pad out the time a bit. Yeah, which I think in a way kind of helps it because it's supposed to be, like we remarked earlier, kind of like her fantasy. So Right. And so, so it helps it kind of feel like a little more dreamy overall if it's not like a direct... Uh, linear narrative right so we hear her uh narration once again she says after the crucifixion i was beside myself i thought that i was doomed to hell and the devil was surely inside of me i had almost made up my mind to leave the order when a few nights later from here we see footprints in the sand <laughs> Then a shot of a figure in a white robe walking on the beach from the waist down. We finally get a wide enough shot to see that it's Jesus or oh, someone yes. who looks just like him. Yeah, um, very hippie-ish looking Jesus played by Rocco Manuel. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
We see him walk on water, uh, and I noted more likely in just in very shallow water. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we see him standing in front of Sister Beatrice, who's kneeling in prayer before him. Jesus reaches down, and we see our nun smile, looking up at him. He pulls up his robe, and the nun starts blowing him, <laughs> more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, we see in this softcore version, uh, she's not really having, really blowing him, but she's definitely got her mouth on his crotch area. Yeah. Um, in the hardcore version, I believe the the version that we saw, I believe that like like there's no, there's none of that so much. We yeah. see Jesus walking toward her and her kneeling, but that's basically it. Right. Which makes me think that this hardcore cut is cut as well. It's yeah. also like a couple minutes shorter than the soft right. core cut, but it's also got a terrible soundtrack. Looks like it was looks just completely terrible. So mm-hmm. once again, please don't watch it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, this scene is more explicit in the softcore version. So Jesus is grabbing her by the back of the head and then rubbing her head a bit and then grabbing her head again. Uh, I noted that we hear water trickling in the background, more or less. Yeah. Um, And we see, after some of this, we see Jesus walking away on water. And then another shot of her looking up at Jesus, smiling. We cut back to her working in the grass. Somehow... The last dream convinced me that I was truly a bride of Christ. I knew that I could never be happy outside the church. She explains that she applied and was accepted as a hermitage nun who worked away from human contact. She said that she was working for him and him alone. The end. Beautiful. Uh, an act of confession is available from Vinegar Syndrome on one of their Picarama uh, discs. Uh, it is uh, together with uh, one or two of Spinelli's other films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to check that out, check that out. We'll be back here in a minute with our review of an act of confession. Tell me about the dreams. Well... They're erotic dreams, Father. Yes. Yes, uh, go on. Tell me all about them. And the last one, you were giving me communion. But it was different. Because your... Your... Your hard penis was in my mouth. And I licked and sucked on it. And you kept shoving it in and out of my mouth. And then a funny thing happened. You squirted something in me. And I swallowed some of it. And some came out of my mouth. And the monk wiped it off. All right, we're back here to give our individual takes on an act of confession. Uh, So I'll go ahead and turn it over to our resident film critic, Jeremy, to uh, speak his piece on an act of confession. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I would say overall I enjoyed it. Um, I think if there was a hardcore cut, it would probably be a little something you could pay a little bit more attention to overall um but yeah as we've noted the film follows the travails of uh, sister beatrice and her overactive imagination as she considers entering the uh school for hard nuns um, <laughs> um and you, the film takes itself pretty seriously um 
I would say at least at the beginning with its numerous disclaimers, right. you get some solid historical background about the um, oppression of the church and, you know, great uh, poets like Dante and uh, historical writers like Boccaccio. But uh, it's hardly like uh, the Seventh Seal or anything. Right. Um, but I think the charm of this film's not really uh, found in the decidedly unenthusiastic performances that we mostly get in this cut. Right. Yeah, but uh, I'd say most of the charm is in the boundary-pushing themes that we see. Right. Um, as we noted, it's pretty early on in the what would be considered like the non-sploitation wave. Right. Uh, yeah, it, and to put it in perspective, mm-hmm. um, going back to what I was talking about towards the beginning of the episode about non-sploitation in general, mm-hmm. uh, non-sploitation had taken off in Italy in the 60s, but most of the titles that I see mm-hmm. uh, as notable non-sploitation works didn't really surface until the mid-70s. Right, yeah, until about 74 or so. Right. So this being a uh, this being a non-sploitation film in 1971 or 1972 mm-hmm. in the U.S. Yeah. is uh, unique and interesting because mm-hmm. it's not nece- it's not uh, bandwagoning really here, right? Because um, we like Italy kind of has like its own Italy and Spain in particular, especially after Franco was gone, mm-hmm. um, had more like an anti-clerical tradition than we do in the United States, where right. we were fiercely devoted to God and um, all that stuff. So I think some of the warnings at the beginning are kind of glad handing a little bit to be like, listen, we're not trying to offend you religious types and everything, (laughs) especially at the beginning of the seventies and the U S you have uh, like the reelection of Nixon and kind of like a general backlash where you see like the moral majority and like the religious right forming. So, right. Do you know off the top of your head mm-hmm. where this kind of lines up with the whole satanic panic? I think this is earlier than this that. Would, I'd bigger... say be earlier than that. Um, there was definitely at the end of the 70s or the end of the 60s, there was definitely kind of like an occult revival. So right. I think there was like an underground current that was becoming more critical of organized religion. and Sure. You can definitely see that in his introduction to this. Um, but yeah, like. You know, I've seen a couple different uh, non-sploitation films. I've seen, uh, it's Joe D'Amato does, uh, is it Images in a Convent, maybe, I think is a film he does. And I've seen uh, Franco's, like, Love Letters of a Portuguese Nun, and then some, like, more greasy ones. But I think this one kind of tops those, just in some of the stuff, like, I can't recall off the top of my head seeing someone masturbating with the rosary or right. anyone sucking Jesus off. He's usually a distant personage for those kind of films. Usually right. they're often more concerned with like devils and demons uh, right. being a corrupting influence. Yeah, I know that we uh, we watched together Satanico Pandemonium. Yeah. And uh, that's more about her... her uh, being uh, swayed by the devil right. with the apple and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, this one there's... Sort of collapsing uh, from there. This one I'd say is more actually like probably like religiously devout in its message towards right. the end where she becomes accepting of the fact that she wants to be a bride of Christ who has a bunch of horny visions. Right. It's, it's probably also worth mentioning uh, another film that... 
dabbles in nunsploitation that I know that we're going to talk about on a future episode, oh, yeah. which is uh, Malabimba. Uh, a malicious whore. Yes, yes. Uh, by uh, Andre Bianchi, mm-hmm. uh, who also did uh, Strip Nude for Your Killer and mm-hmm. Burial Ground, who's oh. one of my favorite uh, purveyors of Italian sleaze. Oh, yeah, he's um, racked him up. But uh, Malabimba is also very uh, over-the-top and crazy, but it's a very different direction that it takes. And there's really just one nun who's not necessarily the main character, but there's uh, possession and Mm -hmm. a lot more going on. So again, it's more about uh, being influenced by evil than coming to grips with Jesus and becoming a bride of Christ. Right. And I'd say ultimately this film's probably more important for historical value than for like inter- its entertainment factor. Sure. Um, you know, that's really, I guess, like all I got about to say about Knack to Confession. Uh, <laughs> don't spill your seed on the dry ground, and uh, we'll, we'll get back to you next week. So, uh, to kind of add on to that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree that overall this isn't like the most exciting adult film to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're still early in the hardcore cycle here. Right. Uh, you know, things really take off after Deep Throat yeah. uh, once we get into 73 and beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is in this weird uh, growth phase for porn because like in the earliest days of hardcore we had loops uh, which were just, you know, 10-minute videos of sex with no sound or films of sex with no sound um and then we we evolve into these like 60 minute um sex movies basically Mm -hmm. that are pretty much only sex which uh was kind of what anthony spinelli was talking about in the earlier part where uh i talked about the interview and him uh his focus on character and plot how he wanted story um and there was story in some films at this point, but we're really in the early days of it. Uh, a lot of the hardcore films that had come out were things like what they called white coders, which were mm-hmm. the ones where the uh, fake doctor talked to the camera and they tried to dress up, dress everything up as an educational film about sex to get away with uh, playing it in various places of the country. Right. Um, so... But we are seeing some narrative films that are hardcore at this point. Um, And this being in the early days, it makes sense that this isn't quite as fleshed out as some later fare. Uh, That being said, for the time and place that it occurs, it is pretty well made. Um, I mean, it's 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 shot well for the most part. Oh, yeah. I meant to give uh, 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 reps for... uh... The unfortunately named Peter Big for his uh, <laughs> for his cinematography work. It's pretty dreamy, I think, for the most part. Everything looks real nice. I feel like that's probably a pseudonym for somebody. Well, you know, um, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. We'll uh, we'll call up Peter Big sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's good cinematography there, and I appreciate it as a transgressive piece of uh exploitation film definitely history yeah i don't think Um, it i think what i read it didn't get a whole lot of play pretty much because of that right um yeah i could see it probably not getting its due 
Yeah, especially because I think it was, was he working on the East Coast, I think? Or was he uh, West Coast? I'm not really sure. I'm not sure at this point. I know later in his career, once we get to Dixie Ray, right, he's, he's working on the Hollywood. West Coast. Yeah. But a lot of people were moving to the West Coast at this point, so he might have started out East Coast. Well, he was probably West Coast because he was a Hollywood actor. Okay, that with. makes sense. Okay. I would, I would imagine this is a West Coast production. All right. Well, you heard it here first, maybe, or maybe you got here probably late. Probably or maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as a as one of these early productions, I appreciate the fact that you know it starts with its disclaimer and uh, defense of of you know the the Catholic Church and saying, hey, we're not trying to pick everything apart. We're just trying to show the struggles of somebody trying to be devout and failing. Yeah, which is silly because let's be honest, this is a fuck film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this- Maybe this is like the one they like went around and like showed in like churches and stuff, trying Maybe. to encourage people to become nuns. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you could be just like Sister Beatrice. Yeah, we don't want it to be too saucy because you know we don't want any complaints, but you know just a little bit. Just a little bit of Beatrice. Yeah. So yeah, in that sense, it's uh, it's pretty entertaining. I'm happy to have watched it. I feel yeah. like I've got a nice little piece of pornographic history under my belt, yeah. which isn't always the same case. I'd mm-hmm. say going back a few episodes, an altar of lust. Ultimately, I could have taken or left. Although mm-hmm. there were definitely some yeah. some moments in there that really uh, tickled my fancy. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, this is an interesting film, and uh, I'm glad to see it, and uh, hopefully some of you out there will too and see just just how hard it is to be a devout nun trying to be a bride of Christ and battling all these nasty urges. Yeah. It's not easy out there. Um, check us out next week. We're doing Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. <laughs> <laughs> the sequel to this i believe <laughs> it sucks that whoopi got cut out of the first one yeah they were racists and, <laughs> it was and, 1972 and, and anti-semites because she's jewish too oh yeah 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 double whammy is she gay i don't know i don't is she like the gay disabled like transgender black woman that like conservatives just always make jokes about probably okay wasn't she was she was she in a film in like the 90s where she was the love interest of ted danson maybe um mate yes Lindsay says yes uh i think you're thinking of theodore rex oh yeah that's what i'm thinking of the uh Less successful sequel to Tammy and the T-Rex. Yeah. Definitely. Um, All right. So oh. we've uh, we've gotten a bit off the rails. Any last words on an act of confession? Um, when you go to confession, you don't really have to tell the priest what you've done. You can make up a lie if you don't want to tell your real sins, which I would just always... I did it for like... Because they teach you about, I think, confession in, like, the first grade. Uh, So every year I just lied and said I was mean to my brother. I mean, it's not really (laughs) a lie because I was, but I definitely had other sins. But I just didn't want the priest knowing what they were. Yeah, the priest would have been shocked and appalled, I'm sure. Yeah. 
Our confessions didn't happen at Booth either. They were face-to-face, which I thought defeated the whole purpose. Yeah, yeah. They shouldn't know who I is. (laughs) That's all I gotta say. Don't confess. It's a brainwashing tactic to keep you enslaved. Good night. (laughs) Alright, so for Jeremy, this is Boss pleading for you guys to help us keep 42nd Street alive and don't forget your raincoats. Somehow the last dream convinced me that I was truly a bride of Christ. I knew then I could never be happy outside the church. And so, I applied for and was accepted into the order of the Hermitage nuns. Those who work alone, away from all human contact, alone except for the Father, and for the ultimate joy of knowing that for Him and Him alone I do labor in the soft, warm earth.